listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter and or X at Astros Future. And I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can also find my work on astrosfuture.com and find me on X at The Vandalorian. So before we get started, I want to let everyone know this episode is brought to you by Big City Wings. Big City Wings is Houston's wing joint. Be someone at Big City Wings. Wall-to-wall TVs, 13 locations all around the city, best wings in town. Make sure you check them out. Kenny and I were just like brainstorming literally right before the show and uh, thinking today with the trade deadline coming up, only you know a week and a half or whatever it is away, uh, we kind of wanted to talk about some prospects that we, I don't know if the word untouchable is right or the guys that we just don't want to see get moved. So without even doing any kind of research, we wanted this to be to just be fresh off the head. We're going to go ahead and list our guys that we don't want to see traded. So these can be favorites. They can be guys that we we deem untouchable or just guys we don't, you know, we want to see in the system. And I will start with saying this is always a tough time. I get, you know, needing to, to add talent to the roster, but it's, you know, it's it's fun watching the prospects through the system. It's always it's always sucks to see the guys get traded out. And I, I get the long-term process, the business of it. But so I'll start by saying that. But Kenny, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first. And I'm gonna, you know, people may may talk about a Drew Gilbert, but the one guy, and it's me and you have talked about him a lot, that I don't want to see moved this deadline is Ryan Clifford. Um, I just put a stat out there, you know, last week. He's the only uh, only one teenager has a higher way to run creative plus than him this year. Uh, and that's Jackson holiday, the number one overall pick last year. Uh, he just turned 20 a couple years or a couple days ago, Ryan Clifford did, uh, but we're seeing what he's doing with the bat. You know, he's drawing the walks, hitting for power. You know, he struggled his first five games. I think he was 0 for 15 his start in Asheville. And since then he's sitting like 290 with an OPS of uh, near a thousand. And yeah, he doesn't offer a ton, maybe on the defensive side, like a guy like Melton or, or, or Gilbert might, but Right field, first base, left field, either one works. I think the bat's going to play uh, very advanced for his age and just a guy that I'd like I'd like to see the Astros hold on to because you know, we, we mentioned it on the really young end talent. It seems like they're kind of lacking. They got a lot of the uh, the guys that are getting close to major league ready. The young, uh, young high end talent kind of seems like the Astros system's lacking. So I would love to keep a guy like Ryan Clifford in the system. Yeah, I just turned 24 days ago, recording on a Monday. Uh, that birthday coming on July 20th. Um, finally in that 20 age, 20 year old age group. And man, it, it's just been it's been cool to watch the development of Ryan Clifford. Uh, the Astros really haven't hit on a high school guy that's really pieced it all together right away. You know, Tyler Whitaker, who was the, the top pick for the Astros in 2021, kind of got off to a, a, a slow start in his first full season. And then he got hurt. I mean, he really pe- he's piecing it together a little bit since he's been back. But it's really cool to see a guy like Ryan Clifford just developing and getting better each day. I mean, we talked about this maybe a couple months ago when we first saw that action in the uh, in spring training and then in Fayetteville he was a bigger guy I mean the guy is still growing we we had to we had to remember he was 18 19 years old in those first couple games we saw we saw a guy like a you know kind of a skinny kid show up in Fayetteville last year show up in the FCL last year and he put on the weight I mean he he did the work this offseason did the work in the spring he could play some first base as well right field first base might be where the future holds for him 
And he's really just developed as a hitter. He, he doesn't look like a 19-year-old, 20-year-old at the plate. Yeah. And the Astros player development has raved about how much better he's gotten with plate discipline and his approach. And I, I totally agree with that one. We, we've even talked about it might sound outrageous, but you could say he's number one in the system. It, it's really just based on your own opinion. We've heard other people who also follow the Astros prospects as heavily as we do, you know, they're, they're kind of thinking it as well. It's not just us saying that. I mean, there's other opinions out there that might push that way as well. Yeah. I think, you know, just given the age and given what he's doing with the bat. And like you said, he's just turned 20 years old, but he's like six three two twenty. I mean, he looks like a major league player right now at 20 years old and, and doing what he's doing with the bat is, is pretty special. And we've seen plenty of young guys come into the system and struggle right away. And, and Clifford is not, you know, and the, the play discipline stands out the, the amount of walks. And um, I just did that article on him on Sunday. And he said one of the reasons he drew so many walks in Fayetteville was just in single A, the command just isn't as good. And I just think for a young hitter to recognize that, that like, hey, the guys are going to be wild and I'm going to take my walks. He had two homers in Fayetteville in like 25 games. This guy's a power hitter. You know, so he was being patient, swinging at the pitches he needed to, drew 25 walks in 25 games. Then obviously the power starting to show up in Asheville. But uh, to get that from an, a 19, now 20-year-old young hitter, uh, I think is very important. So, uh, Kenny, who's the first guy that comes to mind outside of Clifford that you would not uh, want the Astros to trade this uh, this deadline? Of course, you know, the first couple of names that come to mind are Jacob Melton, Drew Gilbert, the, the two top picks in the 2022 draft. We don't have, really have to worry about 2023 guys. Those aren't guys that yeah. are really going to get moved. I don't I think there's even a rule that you can't trade them um, a couple months into the year right after you pick them. So it's not even we're not even going to talk about 23 guys here just so for those who don't know. Um, but going into that 2021 draft, I mean, this guy was an absolute steal in the seventh round. And I just got to go with Joey Loperfito. I know he's on the older side. He's at that age 24 season. He is in double A. I know you're smiling right now. And I don't know if people are going to see the video part of this, but I, I know that you probably had him on your list as well, Jimmy. Big time. And, and we talked about like, there's, there's not much to just knock on him. I know that he is 24 years old. That was probably like the only thing. It's like, he's a little bit older, but 24 is around the age that you see a lot of guys in double A. And even Joey Loperfito, when he came on the podcast, he talked about the coaches tell him, you can hit the Texas League, you can make it to the major leagues, you can be a contributor in the major leagues. And we've seen that. We've seen AAA just become this place where guys that are ready to go up to the major leagues will sit there. Guys on the 40-man roster, of course, Joe Perez, Ryland Bannon, ones who've dipped their feet into the majors who can show that they can be depth. But guys like we've seen other people jump up to AA. Zach Nato uh, for the Angels, he jumped up from AA, skipped AAA entirely. It's it's a newer thing that's that's happening a lot more. Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe, of course, these guys are more top 100 prospects. Joey isn't in that category at the moment. I, I don't think he will be right now or in the near future, just based on his prospect status. Mm -hmm. But he's still a guy that can contribute at the major league level, give you depth at first base, second base, center field. I don't know if there really is a spot for him in the future, even like next season as a starter. But he's definitely a guy, a left-handed bat that the Astros probably should hang on to. You know, we can assume that there's a lot of these guys are in trade talks. I mean, any any team that's in conversation with the Astros might be looking at all these prospects. But I think Joey Lopefito is in that category that I would try to protect if you can. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if I was a team calling and especially a team that maybe wanted some talent that is pretty much major league ready, that would be one of the guys I'm asking for. You know, I think he like you mentioned, he does a lot of things well, uh, steals bases, hits for power, draws walks, plays well defensively at multiple positions. I know I texted you over the weekend and, you know, threw a, a Brendan Donovan comp out there. And I think he's got more offensive upside than Donovan with the power and speed combination of uh, just the ability to to 
you know, be a full-time player, but not at a full-time position. I think Loperfito has that. And, you know, we talk about Clifford just looking like a big leaguer, like Loperfito does too. I mean, you see him in, in Corpus, he's hitting home runs to left and right. Um, and th- for those that don't know, it's tough to drive the ball out to right field in Corpus Christi. That wind coming in from the, you know, Gulf of Mexico is uh, makes it makes it quite tough. And uh, for him to have the home runs in Double A, like he's showing right now, is uh, is definitely a good sign for him. And he's definitely one that I would like to see stay with the Astros because I think he could provide a, a good player that can that can fill multiple uh, multiple positions for us. Play outfield, maybe you know, maybe 70 percent of the time, but then he could spell out two bay at second base, play a little bit of first base. Definitely a guy I would like to see stick around. And I just found this out today, and we had him on the podcast and didn't bring this up, but his his first name is Mario. I had no idea until today. I don't even know if you knew that. It was Mario <laughs> Joseph Loperfito. Yeah, I think I may have saw that, but um, but yeah, that's uh but yeah, interesting. So uh-huh. uh I'll go to the next guy and and man, this this just shows you where the Astros are at with the system, right? I'm not gonna talk about you know Drew Gilbert. Like obviously we would like to keep him around, you know, first round pick last year, Jacob Melton too, but just going down the system and looking at some of the top prospects, I'm going to throw another outfielder out there, Luis Baez. He's early into his career. We know that he, he hasn't, he he's 19 years old playing in uh playing in single A right now with Fayetteville, but he's, he's gotten off to a phenomenal start. I think he's played in uh, seven games. He's got four walks to three strikeouts, which I know it's only in seven games, but you go look at what he did in, in the FCL prior and he had 16 walks to 14 strikeouts. And I think it was uh, 17 games while hitting seven homers. Uh, I think he's got six or seven doubles in the seven games. Fayetteville. Just you can, I mean, you watch the video of him. He looks, you know, he he looks the part. He's driving the ball to all fields. Uh, big guy at 19 years old, and I, I I think I texted you too. But his plate discipline has really stood out to me. Um, I've seen him start like an 0-2 count and then lay off tough pitch, uh, tough pitches outside the zone sliders outside the zone curveballs and, and just lay off of them end up drawing a walk and I, I think that's very impressive for a young hitter especially a guy with power like that to to be able to to lay off those pitches but 19 years old with that kind of upside just like I mentioned with Clifford you know I think the Astros need that young talent in the system I think teams will come calling trying to get him but that's another guy I'd like to keep in the system definitely agree I think that's another guy that the Astros just need to see a lot more of I mean there, there's there's probably a ton of value in Luis Baez a lot of untapped potential which is even crazier to think and like you said, just the plate discipline is just enormous. Just how good he is at recognizing pitches. He just spits on him. He's like Juan Soto. He knows it like almost out of the hand where that ball is going to be. And that's just incredible. I mean, it's, it's hard to see that out of a guy of his age. Um, we still haven't seen that home run yet in single A, but we've seen some good defense too. And he's been a double yeah. machine. We've seen all the records with the doubles and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a quick riser next season. But For it's sure. just about, you know, consistency and keeping this all together. I mean, you'll get growing pains as you go up through single A and high A. And, as, you know, if he just keeps piecing this together. And he was a big dude. I mean, we got our first look at Luis Baez. We didn't really see many pictures of him or videos in the FCL. Um, he did. Like, some of these players would like to post their home run videos or just some highlights. Um, I never really saw any from him. And um, he was a lot larger than I expected. So he's, he's definitely ahead um, of his age group, it looks like. Yeah, and he just he kind of looks like the prototypical right fielder, you know, the big guy mm-hmm. with power and he can, you know, almost I mean, I'm not throwing a comp out there, but just kind of reminds you of like a Vladimir Guerrero, just given the size and everything. Not not the junior, but you know, the yeah. Um, but so you, you I want to bring something go back real quick. You talk about Loperfito and the age and and him being 24. And I almost put a, a tweet out or a uh, I don't know what we'll call it here in the near future, an X out, but I almost put one out talking about age, you know, and the Astros, I mean, you see it this year, right? Chas McCormick has been one of our best players, and he didn't debut till he was like 26. You see Corey Jolks debuting this year at 27, JP France 28. 
Yiner Diaz, you know, a little bit old. I mean, he's not old, but he's on the older side for the prospect. He's not, you know, the Correa is coming up at 2021. 20, mm-hmm. I, I think age gets overblown a lot. And and I think Loperfito doing what he's doing at 24, he's just drafted two years ago. So, I mean, you know, there's, I, I just think some people tend to overvalue the, the young side. And I think when me and you start talking about some of the pitchers here that we'd like to see stick around the system, um, I think go, that goes for them as well. The Astros drafted pitchers in 21 that and 22 that are doing really well, and they're going to be in that 23-24. But let me look at the guys in the rotation right now. Framber Valdez, you know, he wasn't a, a stud when he came up and debuted. I think it was at maybe 24, and, and now he's our ace, and you see what he's doing. So I, I value the age. I think it's important, but I do think it, it tends to get overvalued sometimes when people are looking at prospects and if a guy can perform if the guy can hit the guy can pitch they can play uh it doesn't really matter if they're 22 24 25 if if they can perform they'll have a spot on the roster and the Astros have proven that yeah we've talked about this at length and when you look at prospect rankings I think just what makes us always jump to age is when you see the top 100s the top 101s whatever website whatever number they're throwing out there and that's just because it's a one of the primary things they're looking at how much are you producing at that age and sure. the Astros have been a big a big organization that the age doesn't always matter. I mean, you said it well there. We look at guys like Ronel Blanco, Sean Dubin, and J.P. Yep. France is the biggest one this season for the Astros. They, they're 29 years old, 28 years old, and they're consistently performing. Of course, Ronel Blanco, Sean Dubin have had their ups and downs, but J.P. France has been just lights out like for what his prospect status was for compared sure. to other prospects. And he's really just turned heads and I probably to the Astros he's not as surprising but to probably some evaluators it might be because he just looked at the age kind of looked at where he was in his development kind of blew him under the rug he was the only guy the Astros protected last year from the rule five draft by putting on the 40-man roster and at the time it it made sense because we knew what JP France was capable of with the velocity and kind of moving to the bullpen back to the rotation um so like we we even talked about this yesterday Jimmy it's like there's no such thing as a pitching prospect it's a a phrase an acronym that just kind of goes pretty deep into the meaning of it but when you really think about it any pitcher can come out and just really just find something and find a rhythm and jp france is one of those pitchers yeah and the astros obviously have done done very well at uh, developing pitchers uh, both internationally and and draftees uh which kind of brings me to the next guy that i would like to see stick around uh colton gordon yeah the astros don't have a ton of left-handed pitchers uh, but he's arguably, you know, the, the number two pitching prospect in the system, probably behind Spencer Getty. Had Tommy John, uh, Tommy John surgery following his college career, came back last year, was absolutely dominant in low A, high A, uh, made it up to double A this year. He's leading the system in strikeouts with 109 and 85 innings, 3280 RA. But like I was talking about on age, he's 24 years old, but he was just drafted in 21 coming off the Tommy John surgery. I think the age you almost got to throw out the window. He's got 138 minor league innings right now, and he's he's 24. So but uh, a guy that you know we've seen go deep into games, pick up the strikeouts, has very good command, hasn't allowed a ton of hits, left-handed pitcher. That's just another guy I'd like to see the Astros hold on to at this trade deadline. Um, and a guy that I think can probably help contribute in the rotation you know, as soon as next year. Yeah, you never draft based on need. And we always hear questions about like, oh, are the Astros going to get another left-handed pitcher in the draft? They need left-handed right. starters, which is you always hear from fans. Um, we, we've you know hit it a lot. Everyone hits on it. Um, but Colton Gordon, the way he bounced back from Tommy John surgery, the Astros, I don't know even if they would consider even a gamble on their end going after a guy who needed to- who's ha- who already had Tommy John surgery, wasn't going to pitch at right. the end of the 2021 season, came back in 2022. I didn't know much about Colton Gordon up to that point. And he really just pieced it all together and ended up pitching the World Baseball Classic um, that winter, which is really promising. I know it was a team that probably wasn't going to draw in a bunch of current major league talent and Team Israel. There weren't many options out there. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he 
faced major leaguers. He faced guys that were a lot more experienced than him. He held his own in parts of it. He also struggled just because it's a new world. I mean, it's a new challenge for him. And I thought you were going to go with Arigetti here. So I had a bunch to say about Colton Gordon. <laughs> uh, the one more thing I will notice note about him is that I'll get replies questions like what does his velocity look like i mean that's a question you get about any pitcher when someone's asking you a question and he's not a big velocity guy that's that's the most incredible part of it if he was a top if he was a left-handed pitcher and he was throwing 99 98 that's that would be incredible i mean that's a that's a top prospect in the system that might be one or two he's not a big velocity guy and he still gets a lot of strikeouts he still commands the zone really well yeah. i mean i think that might be why he doesn't really walk guys a lot because he can pinpoint pitches so well nothing really runs away from him and that's why you've seen so much success from Colton Gordon, even as late. And we've I've texted you about this. You know, I think if the Astros hold on to Colton Gordon, you know, any of these guys could be traded. But if Colton Gordon's still here, I mean, we don't have any reasoning to why say he won't be. But I triple A could be at could be at the end of the at could be at the end of the road this season. Yeah, definitely. I think it I think it would definitely be worth putting him in triple A. And I think we'll see some some shake up, you know, after the uh the the draft picks get assigned. I mean, there's some guys in single A right now that are ready for high A. You know, you look at Trey Dombrowski, uh or you know, Andrew Taylor, even um guys that could probably use that challenge in high A. Um, and I'm sure there's some guys there that can move up and like we talked about, same in double A, Rhett Coba, uh, another favorite that I, I would like to see stick around as well. Him, Colton Gordon could probably use that that uh, opportunity in triple A. But Kenny, uh, I'll let you give one more. You can give a, a hitter or a pitcher, but go ahead and give me one more that you would like to see, uh, you know, remain in the Astros organization after the deadline. Since you didn't go with Spencer Argetti there, I'm going to go with Spencer Argetti here. Um, I'm sure like if you open up a trade simulator, if you look at trade simulator, tweets online everyone has yeah. their opinions and Arigetti's always thrown into him um, just because he is so much value as a starting pitcher Dana right. Brown has talked about him at length as a guy who could possibly come up in September if you kind of compare it to the Hunter Brown situation in 2021 it's a little different they were both promoted to AAA from AA around the same time in 2021 of course the Astros needed some more depth down the line into the postseason, but they didn't look to Hunter Brown at the time. Uh, you know, they, at the time they had Lance McCullers Jr., who was pitching out of his mind in October. Injuries happened. Um, this year, it's a lot different, though. The, the Astros need a little bit more depth on that 40-man roster. Guys, they can go to to eat innings, especially in September when they're trying to make a little bit of a run in the division, especially if they can pick up some more games here and there against the Rangers and just stay in the wild card spot or even <clears throat> jump for the league, uh, just jump for the to be the league leaders, division leaders, excuse me. Um, but if you kind of look at where Arigetti's been this season, um, AAA is a 398 ERA and 20 and a third innings. Four of his five games have been starts. It, that's something that's that's really stood out to me because we saw a lot of tandem action down there in Corpus yeah. Christi, which we've seen with a lot of starters. It almost looked like he would start on Tuesday and then um, come out of the bullpen on Sundays. It, it would just vary just depending. Of course, it's not going to be the same every week. But uh, it's been a lot more starting action and it makes you kind of think maybe the Astros are evaluating a little bit more kind of a bit of a l- little rough stretch right now, but 21 strikeouts, the 13 walks, um, he threw, he struck out 79 batters in 60 and two thirds innings with Corpus. It's about just really kind of piecing it all together. Um, he's a guy who really responds well. And I think yeah. that's something that you'll see more Spencer again, if he gets punched in the mouth, he's going to punch right back. He gave up a, a quick run in his first outing, and I asked him about it. He was like, I didn't like that. You know, I didn't like doing that. So he went out there, attacked the next three batters, got a – I think it was a, a weak fly out and then two strikeouts. I don't know exactly who the ba- the batters were, but that was kind of like the outcome there, and that, that was a good response from him. And just the, my last thought about Spencer Argetti as I just babble on here is that you look at that 2021 draft, 
it was Spencer Getty and Chase McDermott. The, yeah. Those were the two pitchers that the Astros got out of that. And they were going back and forth in 2021 and 2022 for strikeout leaders in the respective uh, on the respective teams, mainly with the Taurus in 2022. We heard some scouts say, you know, it was kind of a not not the best move to trade McDermott at the time. Of course, the Astros went on to win the World Series. Uh, but but it's hard to say that you would trade both of them. Of course, it's a right. different front office. Still, Chris Gross's draft. It's still a lot of these scouts drafts. And I, I just don't see why you would trade both of them. I know you can get a lot of value out of him. Uh, but for the re- depth reasoning, I think Spencer Getty is someone you you should hold on to um, moving forward. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think the Astros need to hold on to him and Gordon, you know, their top pitching prospects. And and then, you know, we have a we have a lot of outfielders, but, you know, looking at the list, I mean, there's other guys we didn't talk about that I would like to see, uh, see you know, stay in the organization. You look at a, a Zach Dezenzo, you know, infield depth, the Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, like we talked about. Uh, you go down to the pitchers, you know, the, a lot of the pitchers they drafted last year are doing really well. You know, the Andrew Taylor, uh, Nolan DeVos, Rhett Cobo, we mentioned. There, there's just a lot. Michael Knorr, you know, good strikeouts. I know he just went on the injured list, but there's a lot of guys that I think uh, I would like to see stick around. I mean, I, like I said, I think the system is better than what some people give it credit for. And I think if they wanted to go fetch a, a good arm or a good bat, I think they could. Maybe we'll see the Astros kind of do like they did last uh, or two years ago, where they kind of traded from some depth at the major league roster, you know, moving Miles Straw and getting uh, Yiner Diaz and Phil Maton, maybe just trying to pick up a reliever. So it'll be an interesting next, uh, you know, week and a half. Uh, but very excited to see where the Astros go with this and then, uh, you know, how the system shakes out after it's all said and done. My, my last comment about it is that you, you hit on it a little bit at the beginning, Jimmy, about this is kind of like a weird time for prospects, too, because they go into the clubhouse on the trade deadline day and they don't even see their names on the lineup cards just because right. you don't know what's going to happen. I, I remember Garrett Stubbs had a fun tweet about it a couple years ago and Bregman was on rehab right around the trade deadline. It was 2021 because because Bregman was supposed to have a press conference and I don't think he ended up having it because Miles Straw got traded and kind of threw like everyone for a loop there because they weren't expecting it. And Garrett Stubbs posted a photo and it was only Alex Bregman's name. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely a tough time for these players as well. Um, I think I don't remember if Spencer Getty said it on the podcast or said it to us separately. But when the trade deadline happened, he called Chase, he texted Chase McDermott. He was like, it's over. Like, do you know what, do you know what's going on? Like, are you, are you still here? I'm still here. And he's like, no, nah, I got traded to Baltimore. Like it yeah. was just like one of those weird things. And Emmanuel Valdez, I've told this story before he t- messaged me and he was like, did I actually just get traded? Cause they just don't know sometimes. I mean, right. We'll find out on Twitter before the team actually tells them. So it can be a tough time for anybody. Yeah, definitely. So we'll, like I said, we'll see how it shakes out. Hopefully we'll hold on to the guys we mentioned and, and a lot of them and, uh, You'll find a way to get better without having to give up uh, too much value. That's always the goal, but we'll see how that goes. So that's going to do it for the first segment. The next segment, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, prospect promotion and incentive and, and some of the recent top 100 rankings, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, make sure you do us a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. Uh, as always, the show is brought to you by Big City Wings. Be sure to check them out. So I kind of teased it right before we went away. I wanted to talk about the prospect promotion incentive. So for those that don't know, the the uh, MLB implemented something recently, and it's really a way to to make sure that teams aren't manipulating service time, kind of like we saw with with George Springer back in uh, back in 2013, I think is when he debuted, um, keeping them down for two three weeks so they can get that extra year of uh, of control on them. But the point of it is, uh, if a guy is ranked in the top in, t- in two of the three top 100 list and the, the list being baseball America, MLB.com. And I believe it's ESPN, Kenny. Yep. ESPN. Okay. ESPN, right. So he's got to be on two of those top hundred lists. 
And if so, and he starts the season with the with the, the club and finishes the season, plays you know majority of the season, and ends up winning w- uh, Rookie of the Year, a team will be eligible to receive a pick. So this year, the Mariners got a pick right after the end of the first round for uh, Julio Rodriguez winning it last year. And I know there are some other guys that were eligible to to receive that uh, compensation pick, if you will. Uh, Kenny, who are the guys that were eligible last year? So there, it says there was 11 prospects qualified. Uh, the first, so I'll go down the list here. Shane Boss of the Tampa Bay Rays, Reed Detmers of the Los Angeles Angels, Mackenzie Gore, I guess, of the Padres and the Nationals, Hunter Green of Cincinnati, along with uh, Nick Lodolo, um, Cincinnati Reds. Jeremy Pena was a, of the Houston Astros, yeah. Geraldo Perdomo of the Arizona Diamondbacks. You just mentioned Julio Rodriguez. Last year, Joe Ryan of the Minnesota Twins, Bryson Stott of the Philadelphia Phillies, and Bobby Witt Jr. of the Kansas City Royals. So this is where this is where my vent starts, and uh, I know me and you talked about it. We texted about it. I said a little bit of uh, about it on Twitter, but you're, you're we're, we're the the top hundred ranking is just I mean it's a, a cumulative ranking, subjective ranking of guys just ranking prospects, and and teams value players differently than um, than maybe the media will when they're making these rankings. So that already starts an issue is that these people ranking these prospects determine if they're going to be eligible for this prospect incentive, number one. Number two is the people voting on Rookie of the Year know that if this guy was eligible and he wins Rookie of the Year, that team gets a pick. So if a, a, a certain media member doesn't like a team, and and I know there's some out there that don't like the Astros, they may not want to have them on their top 100 ranking or have them as a Rookie of the Year p- uh, possibility because they don't want the Astros to get another pick. I just I like the idea of the rule, but I don't understand why you implement it this way. The whole idea is to get a player on the roster at the beginning of the season so you're not manipulating his time. So what does that have to do if he's a top 100 prospect or not? I mean, Jerry P- uh, Jeremy Pena wasn't you know on, on one of those lists and was ineligible. Who cares if he's not on the top hundred list, if the Astros are willing to start him at the beginning of the season and get rid of that, you know, t- uh, way of trying to manipulate the control, then what does it matter? I, that's what kind of aggravates me about it. And mainly because I think the Astros uh, prospects just tend to be undervalued, you know, and I'll let you share a little thoughts before I get into uh, some of the guys that I wrote down for baseball America's most recent uh, top hundred list, which the Astros didn't have anybody on by the way. Um, I just, to me, I like the idea of trying to incentivize, you know, bringing your prospects up early and playing them and, and making sure that they're not getting their, their time manipulated, but to put a, a top hundred ranking on it and to, to let it be a rookie of the year thing, uh, something where people are voting for it just doesn't make sense. I, I was thinking about it last night to me, you know, if, if you start a prospect, if uh, to me, it shouldn't matter where they rank in your system. If you start them in the season and they win rookie of the year and they, they were with your team the whole season, then you've accomplished the whole point of the incentive. Number one, number two is don't do it based on rookie of the year voting. You know, if, if a guy is a, you know, use, use statistics that are actual true numbers and not necessarily somebody's just uh, opinion when it comes to the voting, you, you could look at uh, maybe you use war, maybe you use OPS plus, maybe you use ERA or, or a strike. I, I don't know. You could use some kind of, some kind of numbers to, to make that, uh, incentive pick and and maybe you don't do a first round pick maybe you do a, a a third round comp pick something that's not as valuable when you're using numbers and you're looking at strikeouts but just that's just a couple quick thoughts I'm gonna let you share some thoughts Kenny before I get into um, like I said Baseball America's list yeah two things that really just came to mind is that we still haven't, we're still waiting on the MLB pipeline top 100 which usually we can expect like right after the trade deadline as some prospects get moved around and you know what teams are going to be having those top 30s those top 30s are probably being updated as we're talking they're just trying to piece together some of those guys from the draft and looking at it right now Drew Gilbert sits at number 70 on MLB pipeline without any draft picks moving in there um, I think that's pretty safe to say that he could stick around 
of course, he was playing through an injury. That's a known fact. The Astros released information on that. So that's why he was struggling a little bit in double A. And you were texting me yesterday. It looks like he's really just piecing it together and yep. bringing that power back and the slugging is coming back. So he's a guy that you could probably still expect to stay on MLB pipeline. Of course, you need that second one. One thing that kind of confused me is that the Braves, Michael Harris, uh, the second he won rookie of the year in the national league last year. And mm-hmm. I really haven't found any information on why the Braves didn't release a draft pick for that. That might be something you can research real quick. Cause he was ranked in the top 100 on baseball America and MLB pipeline at number 46 and number 65 respectively at the start of the season, but he wasn't included in this list of 11 prospects qualified. It might have to do something with how many days you were active on the roster, but I don't think Michael Harris jr. Played in the 2021 season. Yeah, he did it. So I, I don't know yeah, what so I'm missing on that. I'm looking. I'm wondering if it was maybe – so he didn't debut until May 28th. So I think that was the issue is that he didn't – like uh, you have to be on the roster, I think, at the beginning of the season or like, you know, however okay. they calculate the 95%. So I think that's what threw Harris off is that since he didn't be, uh, debut until late May, he wasn't mm-hmm. qualified since he didn't start the, the, the season with the club. Okay, that makes sense. So I didn't know that part. Um, another thing that really just comes to mind is that – this might be another reason I, we don't we don't see this happen a lot. A guy like Forrest Whitley, who's battled his own injuries, of course, he's never been moved to the Major League 60 day IL. If he is, he's going to pick up service time. He's going to be picking up uh, Major League money by just sitting there and just kind of rehabbing his way back. This might be even another reason not to even touch those players and move right. them because of course you're going to bring them up and option them immediately once you have to protect them on the 40-man roster we don't even see that that often that a guy gets put onto the 60-day uh, injured list i think the most recent one i can think of off the top of my head was tyler ivy mm-hmm. who was a top 10 prospect in the system when this happened maybe in the 2021 season we got put on the 60-day il ended up coming back at the end of the season but it might be just even like another small little reason not to move those guys over because you don't want to start that service time and you want to get that incentive just if you can for sure so, like I said, I'm going to talk about the Baseball America list. They just released their top 100. There's zero Astros in there, uh, despite Drew Gilbert being there at the beginning of the season. Crushing in high A, getting promoted to double A. It was clear that he was dealing with some kind of injury, and he fell off the list. But um, I was just looking at some guys that kind of threw me for a loop. You know, number 98 is a pitcher with the uh, the Rangers, Owen White. 33 walks to 57 strikeouts in 72 innings this year. He's 24 years old, left-handed pitcher. Uh, that was in triple a got called up struggled in the majors but i'm not even using that but a guy that had struggled 24 years old and then you go down to uh, number 96 spencer jones who was a first round pick last year uh just like drew gilbert uh 12 homers 22 stolen bases in high a right now you know gilbert's in double a and the overall numbers are not too far off if you look at the ops he's a yankees prospect uh i've said it before i'll say it again i'm pretty sure the yankees and the dodgers prospects are just overvalued i feel like we've seen it over and over and a few guys i'm gonna have on here um will kind of kind of point to that but you look at ryan clifford he may not have the the speed that spencer jones has but three years younger and he's outperforming him you know offensively in the same league you know jacob melton uh ops is about the same but he's got more home runs and stolen bases than than uh spencer jones and, and he's you know equally uh as good of an athlete neither one in the top 100 neither one was even uh as far as i can know you know close to the top 100 i mean spencer jones has been on there at the beginning of the season he's on there at the, the mid-season and i just i kept looking down and the next one that popped up Austin Wells is number 84. Uh, he's got a 759 OPS this year. He's a catcher who is rated as below average, uh, you know, defensively as a catcher. And he's got a 759 OPS. I think he's like 23, 24 years old um, and either maybe double A, triple A. And it's just like, you know, another guy right there, right? So that's another Yankees prospect. So I keep going down. I see a guy named Gavin Stone, 25 years old, and he's got an ERA of almost six. He was good last year and I'll give him that. And that's, that's okay. 
But if you're going to knock Gilbert off because he struggled a little bit in double A with the injury, why is a guy like that on there? And I'm going to keep going. Number 72, it's a catcher in the Dodgers organization. He's, uh, I think he's like 20, 21. He's in double A, he's hitting 189 and an OPS of a little over 600. So, like, really, really struggling in double A. You know, and then like you, you got guys like Clifford and Melton and Gilbert, and you see what they're doing. And then you go down to another Yankees prospect, Jason Dominguez. Yeah, off the charts potential. We we know that, but he's hitting two nineteen and double A in eighty five games over uh, over a hundred strikeouts. I, I just I, I kept going down the list, and and I eventually stopped, and I was I just ended it there. And but ended up with three Yankees prospects, two Dodgers prospects on this list, and I feel like the Astros have guys that should be on there. I mean, you go look at what Colton Gordon's doing at twenty four compared to some of these guys. There's Spencer Aguetti. Uh, Melton, Clifford, Gilbert. I just don't know how, if you're going to knock Gilbert for the injuries that he had and, and the little bit of struggles he had, which is OPS is climbing back up now, some of these other guys should have not been on the list. But this is going to affect the Astros not being able to get a a, a potential uh, pick at the end of the first round if none of them are on the top 100 ranking, but yet these other guys are. So that that's what really aggravates me on it. I could go on and on, but that that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, there's a lot of just like potential really worked into some of those. And we see a lot of differences between Baseball America, ESPN and MLB Pipeline. Um, You see a lot of guys move into Baseball America a lot quicker if they're really showing out. And that was just kind of like an interesting thing to me is that, yes, there have been some struggles for Drew Gilbert, but there's, you know, there's a reason they've the Astros have said it. And so I was a little bit surprising. I thought he could fall into that 90 range just based on some of the struggles when he got up to double A and just dealing with that elbow injury. Um, So that also like just kind of confused me a little bit. We texted about this, but Daniel Brown, who was a third or third day pick for the Chicago Cubs, looking at how many outings he's made in at Campbell over three years was 10. Uh, The guy guy struggled. I mean, he had really troubling command, but he throws really hard from the left side. And that just kind of shows you there's so much potential in different players. And that's what some of these organizations, scouts, and evaluators value. Of course, we're not going to see Daniel Brown really just move into maybe a top 100 one day unless he just pieces it all together somehow. Right. But that that's just like that was just kind of like an example that came to my mind is that a guy like Daniel Brown who struggled, but he throws a hundred, nearly a hundred from a left from his left-handed arm, which you don't see that often anymore. Right. And so that's just another thing that kind of just made me think like you know potential is really what what some of these teams evaluators value. For sure. I mean, even a guy like Luis Baez, you know, got a got a good bonus. We see what he's doing early on. And, uh, you know, you would think that maybe he would find his way up there. I just I find it funny that, like you said, the Yankees prospects to me consistently overrated and consistently underperform. And, you know, you got the Astros turning out prospects left and right that maybe aren't on these lists. And they end up, you know, either being rookie of the year contenders or uh, contributors, just like we talked about with J.P. France and Chaz McCormick and Corey Jolks and all these other guys. Um, and none of them are on these lists. So I, I do think there's some bias. And, and to me, that's the issue. When bias is involved and now you're talking about giving teams picks, like the Yankees have prospects all the time on the top hundred, like insane amount of prospects, even despite the the poor performance, like like I just mentioned. Um, you know, one of those guys, if they eventually make it up and win rookie of the year, well, they're gonna have uh, plenty of options to choose from because they got so many freaking uh top hundred prospects. So I don't know. It just it's like I said, to me, that's the, the frustrating part. Uh I like the idea. I like trying to help the employers, trying to make sure that they're getting their money and, and teams aren't manipulating them. But there's got to be a better way than going on these these rankings and using the top hundred rankings when when you know there's like I said, I mean, I think Keith Law is one that a lot of people know. I think he's for the athletic now. So his his ranking doesn't matter for this, but he's a guy that has clearly shown some bias against the Astros. I mean, we saw it after the draft too. And it just seems like he never has anything good to say about the Astros. And uh, I'm sure that's just, you know, the fan in me as well. 
Um, but, you know, looking, I mean, how's a guy like Drew Gilbert not end up on a top 100 list when some of these other guys are? That's what really, that's what really throws me off. And uh, I don't know, hopefully, uh, maybe, maybe one day I'll get to talk to, you know, Rob Manfred and we can get this sorted out. But uh, uh, that's doubtful. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I just have to say is that we're still waiting on MLB pipelines updates. So there's still an opportunity that the Astros could have someone in Drew Gilbert. Even yes. if we don't know if Zach Dezenzo, Ryan Clifford, Jacob Melton, Spencer Getty, these other guys that have, you know, have their own success this season in their own rights. We'll right. move in there, but still waiting on ESPN as well. So it, it's not maybe the end of the world just yet. I mean, there's still an opportunity that those guys jump in for the for pre-2024 sure. season. And if they make it up to the majors, there is an opportunity there. So still a lot to maybe look forward to and just think about yeah. as those come out. Yeah, for sure. And I think baseball per, uh, prospectus had a couple of us, uh, a couple of our guys, I think it was uh, Gilbert and Dezenzo pretty high. So uh, good to see that, but that's going to do it for today's episodes. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.